An idea born out of Monday morning chats at the coffee machine. In this series, we chat to our guests about their going out experiences and how it shaped them. Join us, Pippa and Georgia, team members at Skiddle who love going out and miss chatting about it. Welcome to episode two of series two of the Going Out podcast. Today we've got Defected's first lady, Sam Devine. We chatted to her about growing up in Western Supermare, doing many seasons in Ibiza, Mm -hmm. moving to London and just the general going out amazing stories that she's got and how that's ended up in a career at Defected. Her outlook on life is super positive. So I hope we hope that you get as much out of that conversation as we did. Enjoy. Enjoy. Welcome to the Going Out podcast, Sam Devine, DJ, label owner and radio presenter. It's great to have you. Zip, zip, zip. Thanks for having me, ladies. We're really excited to have you because I want to just steal all the tips of radio presenting, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Takes years of practice. Yeah, we're like absolute babies at the moment. (laughs) As you can see by the volume, probably. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's all good. It's all good. Um, um, so yeah, the podcast is about your personal going out experiences because over the past year or so, obviously no one's really been able to go out and we're yeah. missing those going out stories, those chats around the coffee machine. And yeah, yeah we're... It's all about staying in parties now, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's the new, it's staying in is the new going out. Exactly. <laughs> and I suppose we've had some mega news this week from the yeah. government about a roadmap out of this really strange time yeah, so yeah basically we just want to start at the beginning really and what were your first going out experiences and where did you grow up well I mean I grew up in Western Supermare and I pretty much I mean the first party that I went to it was a free party I was 15 and literally you know I literally like we drove there all in a convoy we like stopped off at the service stations and like everyone got their alcohol and <laughs> um, then we literally kind of rocked up to this phone box and everyone was kind of like hanging out in this old um, disused service station and everyone's got like their you know their car, their car boots up and everyone's just jamming to music it was amazing and then like someone would get a, a number and we'd have to call this number and then everyone convoy would then go to this free party where it's just like stack systems like speakers stacked up in the middle of like this forest um and just all the cars but and it was just it was just amazing like there was you know like someone just started like you know a little fire and everyone was just like hanging on bells of hay around this fire listening to like it's probably like hardcore and happy yeah happy hardcore and hard house and drum bass at the time and i was just instantly hurt like i always hung around with people that were a lot older than me as well i mean i was still pretty much yeah in school at 15 um and and that was me and I've literally been raving every single weekend <laughs> since it was just it was just being a part of like a part of a of a family a raving family you know you kind of had your score and your, your friends and your family and then you've got your raving family and that's pretty much stayed with me throughout the whole of my raving career if you like <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah since I was 15 and you know the, the music's changed like loads obviously since then um I've kind of gone through all the genres of of hardcore you go to drum and bass raves um hardcore raves hard house raves and house was actually the last kind of music genre that I got into it was very very I was like in my kind of late teenage early 20s before I got into house I kind of went through all the rave the rave music first and and the actual raves before I actually got into house so yeah wow what a birth into like the going out life that's such a cool story that that puts my like going out into Preston like to proper shame yeah it's a step up from the drinking at the pub 
parks. Oh, yeah. Oh. What kind of artists were you? I did all that too. I did all that too. What kind of artists were you listening to in them days then? It was more about, uh, um, oh my God. So it was all kind of like local DJ. I've frozen. It was like local DJs more than anything, really. It wasn't, I didn't really, so really when I kind of got to the clubs, um, I mean, my first kind of stomping brown was, was Bristol. So I was kind of going to hard house raves like uh, Lisa Lashes, Lisa Pinup. Um, then I used to go to a, a lot of raves with like Judge Jules and, you know, obviously Ibiza. And yeah, it's just kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel so privileged that I've been able to listen to so many genres of music and got to experience um, all of those genres of music, like at the height of, of each of each genre as well you know at the height of garage i was there in 99 in london in ironapa at the height of um you know the chicago and detroit house i came a little bit later after that but then i get to play in chicago and detroit and be able to go back to my roots so i'm just so fortunate that you know i've got such a wide spectrum of music that i love from literally everything you know growing up in my house my mum always had 80s music on you know we dance around the kitchen and you know i've just been so so blessed that and, and i kind of incorporate that into my sets as well you know I like to play a little bit of everything yeah I think that's why my friends and I like love you because <laughs> it's a it's just always like a good time like you know it's always something that you drop in that like yeah just like gets the crowd going party. yeah, yeah. I think, definitely I'm- yeah, I'm just all about that party vibe, you know, and, and I think it's so important because I've obviously raved, you know, I've had a very, um, I've had a very fruitful raving life, I guess <laughs> you can say, you know, I've pretty much done it all. I've, I've raved around the world, you know, a good few times over. So, you know, and that's kind of now it's like where I met all my best friends is on the dance floor and going out and, you know, go, you know, I, I, you know, going out to someone's house and raving in someone's kitchen, you know, to me, it's just the same as if, you, if you're going out to a club, you just want to be with your friends and you know more than ever obviously the last year we've not been able to spend a lot of time with our friends so roll on june it's gonna be wild <laughs> yeah wow. completely isn't it, isn't it? so it's if you say wild. you've raved at various places where would you say like is the best one of your best experiences oh wow Tough um, question. <laughs> it's a very it's a very good question yeah i mean Ibiza is, you know, it stole my heart from the from the very first time that I went to Ibiza. That was probably the end of the 90s that I was going to Ibiza. And I literally remember I went with my best friend and it was such rubbish weather and it literally rained every day. And it was like, oh my God, is this what Ibiza is about? But we went to Eden like every single night. It was, um, it was like hard house back then, like every single night. And I just remember uh, being on the coach on the way back to the airport, feeling so depressed. Like, oh, I've got to go back to my normal life now. Because I just literally, it was just heaven, like cloud nine for seven days. And yeah, from that moment, I ended up going back every single year. And this year or last year, well, yeah, this year, really, 2021 would have been um, my 16th, 17th year on the island now. Wow. So it's so really, I mean, obviously I'm well showing my age right now. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've be, been there definitely. Um, Brazil's amazing to party as well. Played in Brazil quite a few times. Australia and most recently America now, like, Vegas like there's only one real house club in Vegas that I play at um it's called Commonwealth um and it's on a it's it's like a little rooftop and it's only for about 300 people and they put oh. like a, a functional sound system up there and you're like overlooking the strip and it's just insane like I'm just so lucky to travel all around the world and basically get paid to party with my friends that's basically it yeah it's it is the dream. I feel it like is the dream, yeah. <laughs> when people tell me stories of like back in the day when like 
when you said like genres were like coming yeah. up, like bubbling up and the, the party scenes were just so like epic and like it was like yeah. a moment. Like, do you feel like that's th- a thing now still? Or because I, I don't know if I've just got this perception of it being like amazing it, that and nowadays just doesn't really compare because I don't know the difference. Mm. But yeah, I mean... <sighs> I mean, mobile phones have ruined it. In one, in one hand, they've ruined it, and in the other, obviously, it's very good for for, for a DJ like myself to get content. Um, obviously, we didn't have mobile phones like back in the day. You just have like your little Nokia eighty two ten with with um, with Snake on <laughs> yeah, it, you know. Snake, and, and, yeah, and, and, that, and that was your vibe. That was your vibe. But you know, I, I just think now people are less in the moment because they have their phones, mm-hmm. and you can't be in the moment if you're on your phone. Um, so I do. I mean, when I do my openers parties, obviously, I haven't done them for for a while now but my actual ethos is leave your phone in your pocket and put your hands in the air you know leave the phone alone um, but I do get it especially in kind of like the younger generation they want to be like oh look at me I'm, I'm at a party with MK or I'm a party with Jamie Jones look at me you know on Snapchat and it's just I don't know when I was kind of when I was that age and I was raving I just wanted to be in the moment with my friends you know I just don't I mean I'd hardly used to go for toilet breaks or to the bar because the music was so good I didn't want to leave the dance floor you know but it's it is a different generation and, and you know technology has moved on and you know you do have to adapt but I mean there is nothing worse for me when I'm playing and like everyone on the front kind of three rows have got their phone cameras up that's fine but with their torches on right in my oh, face yeah. because I'm in the zone and I don't when I'm playing I don't ever want to be aware of my surroundings like it's just me and the dance floor and you know and you guys dancing so when I've got a flash camera in my face it kind of puts me off my mm. off my zone a little bit so I'm just like when I've got my t- uh, tour managers or miss my assistants with me they're like put your phones down like just enjoy the music because yeah. it, it is quite annoying um but I get it you know oh to be 17 18 again on, on a dance floor you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like from you know? the other side when you're in on the dance floor and you're looking yeah. up and all you can see is someone else's phone that is the most yeah, that's, frustrating that annoys me as well that it's when your blinding. view is blocked by someone else's yeah. phone that that does my head in so definitely much. definitely I mean even like New Year's Eve I saw a video I won't say who it was but it was a you know, massive club in London and you know they've got the countdown time and everyone's got their phones in and like the fireworks everything's going off and I'm like yo you're not even saying Happy New Year to the person next yeah. to you like you're so like into just f- like filming that moment mm. instead of actually being in the moment I remember at midnight you know you'd grab a stranger next to you and give them a kiss and a cuddle and then do you know what I mean and that would yeah. be for about five minutes and then you'd be like okay like I'm actually at rave now whereas you know everyone's got their phones in the air and it's just like you, d- you haven't even even like wish the person actually happy new year it's like it's crazy but each to their own do you know what I mean like yeah yeah it's, it's like I said it's like a double you know a double-ended sword it's like good for it's it's good and it's bad but I just wish people I mean it's going to be even more so now as soon as we you know the club's open that everyone's going to want to be documenting it and of course it's it's a moment in the history but you know it, you know when you used to go to space back in the day when space was open in Ibiza they'd either put like a little black tape over your torch on your phone or you'd have to put it in a locker yeah and I think that's a great idea yeah. and, th- and there was a f- there was a few clubs that actually kind of kind of um you know championed that but you know all bets are off right now aren't they people <laughs> yeah. can do what the hell they like yeah you know? <laughs> people are gonna like grow out of that you know like how- I don't think so do you not I think, think I kind of so, hope no. that like the next generation would be like that's ridiculous yeah <laughs> I'm not doing that yeah. but it's I, ingrained I into us now isn't it yeah it is it really is and also it really is, like yeah. 
because we haven't been able to i don't really like look back on the videos but because we haven't been able to go out yeah. like having some videos totally. has been quite nice oh, to look at for sure so definitely, definitely. yeah definitely. and then we, when we did the podcast with salado he was saying that they were like they were like he was doing music around the time where mm. social media like came in yeah and he was saying that they were going to the gigs and videoing other people other djs playing their yeah. tunes to get yeah, content yeah. and i thought Absolutely. that was like well interesting because yeah. never yeah, think that no. that's what it was like no, no i mean i mean now djs you know that their tracks get broken because you know uh, people are videoing them and putting them up online and then and then that's how you know records go viral exactly what you just said about Salado you know with uh, with their with their what was the f- track that kind of blew them up ah, I can't remember now I want to say Hang Tree but that's Michael Beebe isn't it um, oh lordy oh lordy you know the one that I want <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 <laughs> you know and, and that was because everyone was filming it and then they obviously had the content so like I said it is a double edged sword because now obviously you know I, I, I want people to take videos of you know my records so that I can then share that content but going back to like a raving point of view this is just going to an event but from a raving point of view you know you look back on on everyone's old videos and everyone's just raving on top of speakers tops yeah. off sweating and also people feel probably a little bit less inclined to do that and to really be free when you know that there's a video camera in your face or someone's videoing it because then you don't feel free to express mm. yourself because you're being documented at that time you know that's a complete stranger with their phone in your face while you are like high on life you're buzzing off the DJ you're buzzing off the atmosphere and then you just feel a little bit self-conscious because people are filming you it's just it's not it's not natural mm-hmm. um, but you know we do have to adapt we do have to you know move with the times so yeah. I, 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 I get I get both sides of the argument completely yeah mm-hmm. and when you were first starting to go out and go to those kind of raves and stuff is that what piqued your interest in DJing or were you DJing Jane before then? No, I wasn't actually. I, I didn't really start DJing until my early 20s. I was actually quite late because I just loved raving so much. All my friends DJ. So, I mean, it was amazing. Like it was just literally I was around music all the time. Like I said, from a really young age of being, you know, my mum always having music on in the house and then, you know, hanging around. I've always hung around with older people. So they would all take me and sneak me in the back doors of the clubs and things, you know. So, and then I just get to know the DJ, just stand in the booth all night and then just become best friends of all the DJs. Um, and it was only really when I went to to um, a rave in Bristol and I saw Lisa Lashes and Lisa Pinup play and I was just like it was just one of those light bulb moments where I was just like wow I just couldn't take my eyes off her and and just the way that she was kind of orchestrating the crowd and everyone was just kind of feeding off her energy I mean she could have literally played anything and people would have gone wild to it and I was just like I just remember standing right at the top of the um, you know on the balcony just just overlooking where all my friends were just like raving behind me and I was just like well that's what I want to do and from th- then literally that kind of within within a space of week I'd had like a, a set of belt drive um, decks which were horrendous to even mix on but taught myself how to mix and then um, entered into a DJ competition within six months won that competition then just kind of escalated from that I was like a junior booker at the nightclub resident DJ doing the warm-up sets to literally like no one for months you know but that's how you build your craft and your mm. art as a warm-up DJ so it all kind of really really fell into place for me and I think obviously you know having a lot of friends that were DJs you know at the time I was going out 
the guy that worked at Tower Records, um, which obviously went bust now when vinyl kind of went over to digital. Um, so I used to go in on my lunch breaks. So I used to work in on the high street for Vodafone and on my lunch break, go, go in and, and just flick for all the records. And, and he would just go like, right, you know, that's for you. And then, you know, whatever, didn't, obviously not earning a lot of money back then um, and just spending pretty much every kind of every bit of spare cash that I had on on vinyl so yeah it was it was a very it was very quickly from like being on the dance floor to them being in the booth but because I kind of you know just loved raving so much and loved going out so much it was just my life was so I mean even like before I got signed to Defected I was kind of like right I'm an 80% raver and only a 20% DJ because <laughs> you know I'd get to the club early I'd be on the dance floor with all my friends then I'd like have five minutes to sort myself out then I'd play and then I'd literally be back on the dance floor again you know yeah. and I did that for years and years and now of course when I go on the dance floor it's like mob city so when I just got <laughs> off the decks and I'm like sweating and I've got like makeup all over me and people want photos and I'm just like ah let me rave. You know? <laughs> yeah literally let me rave have you then, ever yeah, seen that Ed just... Sheeran goes around in like a Spider-Man costume at festivals oh, I, got amazing. I feel like you should get like no. a so you could still do the rave on the dance floor that's amazing <laughs> I know my my friends literally hate going out of me now because you, you you can't even move from the booth to the toilet without people jumping on which is of course I adore that yeah. I love that because if you've given someone like such a good night and they want to tell you about it I'm here for that all day yeah. long you know yeah. but literally just let me go to the toilet guys let me <laughs> sort my face out and then I'll come back to the dance floor you know but yeah no I, I, I mean I, I absolutely adore my job I love it I, I, I love um, you know being able to spend that time with people with, with strangers really you know with complete strangers strangers and I've just got made so many friends around the world now that you know that were just you know I'd hate to say fans like people that follow you um and now that have become really really good friends you know there's not anywhere in the world that I can go without calling someone up and going out with them or going for dinner or, or you know they come to a show with me now and that's all just you know through through DJ and so I'm so grateful and so blessed for that oh, that's wow. amazing and that's always good to be taken out by someone who lives in that area as well because exactly. then you get all the good spots they know the spots yeah, yeah, that's they, know so the true. Spots. yeah they know the spots <laughs> so <laughs> did you used to do seasons in Ibiza then did you do I did. what what I was did. that like were you DJing from the start or yeah so basically the first year that I went was 2005 I think my first season was um and I literally I mean I went out there because I was going out with someone who used to work for cream and head candy so I just used to basically just jump on the back of their like pre-parties really at Mambo or um Ithaca it's not Ithaca Bar M actually it was called then Bar M um so they used to like set all the the pre-parties up and then used to play for the first kind of hour and then predominantly mostly in the West End just playing for booze and rent money basically didn't really have a wage so I did that for, for a whole season and it was actually up against myself and another girl that I used to play back-to-back -back vinyl with and we just had the ultimate jam it was amazing and she just taught me so much as well just we, we just used to battle it out it was incredible and we both had this kind of unofficial residency at a bar called Hush which was at the top of the West End in Ibiza and she literally just split out with her fella I remember and she was just an emotional wreck and it was like the last week of, of the season and um, the, the residency was between myself and this other girl called uh, Laura and uh, yeah she was just this emotional wreck coming into work crying all the time so I'd like you know feel her spot and the owner just said Sam I really want you to come back next year um, Laura's literally having a meltdown so <laughs> I can trust you to do it so come back and, and be a resident so and that was the turning point for me then I still hadn't been signed to Defected at that point that was 2006 and I played on the West End I played six nights a week I used to do up to seven hours
hours a night. I was still wow. on vinyl then as well, still on vinyl. Um, and people used to come in and, and just jam at Hush every night, not even bother going to a club because they had such a good time in Hush. And I learned so much. Then I could obviously start booking my friends and my friends would fly out and I'd book my friends and it was just a jam. Seven nights a week, it was incredible. I learned so much, met so many people. I actually got my first kind of Italian gig that ended up be, becoming a residency um, because these two Italian promoters walked in. And I remember I played Barbara Tucker, Precious Love, and they came up to me and was like, Sam, oh my God, give me your number. We love you. And I was like, no problem. I ended up having a residency in Naples for like three years after. Wow. I got my first like club gig was 2008 at Cream. I played Amnesia after um, Swedish House Mafia. And I literally, I remember I was like on a breakdown. I got my lighter out and literally everyone, the whole dance floor got their lighters out. And it was just such a moment. I got goosebumps just thinking about it now. Obviously now people get their phone torches out. Like I didn't have that then. I literally just got my lighter out. It's just so many amazing memories. And then 2009, I got signed to Defected. Um, I was actually part of their street team and I was just uh, basically just servicing all the DJs on the island. So obviously it was, then it went from vinyl to CDs then, handing out CDs to everyone. So I used to go to like DC 10, Amnesia, Privilege, Eden, all of them, Amnesia, all of them, um, and just hand out Defected CDs to everyone. And then I'd report back and just, you know, give them, right, so-and-so is playing Curing the Calls at DC 10 or whatever it was. Um, and then Simon actually called me into the office and was like, how do you feel about being an events manager at Pasha for Defected? And I was like, yeah, no problem. Never done anything like that <laughs> in my whole life before. I mean, I put, part, you know, club nights on before with, with my best friend, but nothing on that scale. And it was just like, by the end of the summer, I was like, I hate my job so much. It was so stressful. So, so stressful. However, you know, now I'm very, very good friends with people like Kenny Dope and Carrie Chandler and ACFC yeah. Shapeshifters and, you know, Nick Hurley and just all of these amazing artists that were my heroes and now because I used to look after them on the island they've become really good friends and now obviously I've got to tour the world with all of them now so it's just that those 2006 and 2009 were like milestone you know memories in my career because they kind of set me up for the the rest of my career so yeah big up Ibiza and defected (laughs) (laughs) so you you mentioned that you did like seven days kind of how how does that like take a toll on you as well as in like it's full full on that isn't it yes so my drink back then was a vodka red bull and literally it burnt the insides yeah. of my stomach by oh the end God. of the seasons like it was crazy because i'd go for a bottle of that plus people would be coming in on shot runs yeah. so you'd be absolutely hammered by 6 a.m you'd be so sorry i don't even know like how i played but you just because you're on such a high and you're so, you're so buzzing off the crowd that you just get through it but mentally now my body clock is completely upside down because I'd finish work at six, seven o'clock in the morning. Then I'd have my wind down. Then I'd sleep all day, then get back up eight o'clock. I'd be on the decks by 10. And when you do that for like a number of years and then you're touring on top of that in the winter, mm-hmm. just my body clock now. I mean, I rarely sleep before 5 a.m. most most days really? now. Yeah, my body wow. clock is pretty rich. I feel like I am jet lagged 24 seven. That's <laughs> what it feels like. So when I go to America, I'm normal yeah. because yeah. I'm actually sleeping at the right time, getting up at the right time. I'm actually normal. When I go to America or Australia, it's weird. It's so weird. But I mean, I wouldn't, I've got no regrets. I don't look back on anything. Go, oh God, I wish I'd done that differently. Like everything that's happened in my life has got me here today, you know, and, and you know, running my record label, being science, the biggest, you know, defective record label, traveling the world, you know, just meeting so many beautiful, amazing souls all around the world. Like there is, I, I wouldn't change any of it for the world. Like for the world, I wouldn't. Oh, well, it, 
how do you how did you manage that kind of sleeping pattern during lockdown then because how do you do feel that time when you weren't able to do gigs well I mean I've still been so busy I I haven't really slowed I mean apart from the traveling of course yeah I mean I'm used to going out every weekend but in terms of you know I do nine radio shows a month yeah I do six no, I think eight to ten live streams a month. So I'm literally, yeah. I haven't, I know, I need a break before yeah. we go back. Yeah. You know, I yeah. literally need to take a couple of weeks off just to, you know, I've been working very, very hard on my self-development. Um, you know, I got myself a life coach right at the start of lockdown. Um, just just for that transition, because where I've just been so busy all the time and, and not taking a single minute to actually look at life in general, I've been very kind of um, tunnel visioned, I guess, yeah. is, is the best way where it's just like work 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 because that is what I thrive off that is what makes me tick that's what makes me feel alive so when that all stopped obviously I partied hard like everyone else for like two months straight it was amazing I was like god I haven't got to get up for work you know but then when that kind of reality set in I mean my mental health suffered a lot a lot a lot a lot because I was and also having that interaction with people on the dance floor and then having to basically play to a mobile phone now and but you're playing to a live stream and you know you're playing to thousands of people but then you've you know you've still got to put that brave face on and you've still got to smile and, and though you know when you're having your darkest darkest days and you know you've still got to deliver a radio show you've still got to li- deliver that live stream because people still need to hear music you know it's not like the world just stops because we're in a pandemic obviously there's a lot of negatives to come out of this but I'm actually taking a whole heap of positives I really am like I mean my, my good days have way outweighed my bad days but on the bad days where I've still had to get up and record a live stream you know you just kind of dust yourself off and do it and then you know behind closed doors you know I've got such an amazing support network around me and that really has got me through lockdown that really really has because without them probably end up in a mental hospital (laughs) (laughs) would you do you have any kind of advice for people that are going through kind of a similar feeling about being in lockdown a similar like down days yeah I mean do you know what I've I've just done a really cool thing like my five kind of lockdown I mean I I don't work out and a lot of my friends that do work out they said that exercise is really really important I've actually just um, I'm going back to college actually to do a mental health first aider course Um, it's something that I'm really really passionate about not only because I've suffered with mental health myself but you know I've got a close circle around me that are all kind of really going through it right now and and I just kind of I can only speak about my personal um, experiences but to know the actual science behind it and to be able to maybe you know to see the signs with someone I just kind of want to be there to be able to scoop people up it's just in my nature to look after people you know I don't look after myself very well but I'm very good at looking after other people and you know what the biggest biggest thing and you know there's such a stigma around men's mental health right now you know there's a brilliant thing um, on TV and it's got um, Prince William on it and some like footballers not really into football but they were just talking about the stigma of you know men talking about um, you know what they're going through us as women we love to talk we love to just you know just let, let, let it all out and you know because you know we're emotional puppies but that's just the way we are but guys you know they bottle it up and there's just been let's end on a positive but there's just been so many people that we've lost to suicide and things like that in 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 this lockdown you know they're saying that the real pandemic is you know mental health which is so true and I just think we need to look out for the signs you know I think just sending someone a message just going you've got this you know it needs to go way more deeper than that pick up the phone if you see and just seeing those signs um because you know that you can really really save someone and you know just reaching out to people and you know if, if you're on the other end of it and you 
have mental health, just it's it's so easier said than done. But you, as soon as you start opening your mouth and start talking, you'll just feel like this weight lifted from your shoulders. And the more you talk about it, you know, that there is professional help out there. But I found that every time I've kind of gone down that slippery slope, just talking to my friends, um, self-care is so important. You know, now, my God, Amazon must love me. The amount of candles <laughs> that I go through a week is just insane now. Absolutely insane. Like I've got my incense burning. I've got my candles and even just taking a cold shower or bath, just just having that kind of 10, 15 minutes to yourself, you know, just come off your phone, just come off social media, come off the news and, and just and just kind of be in your own space and, and, and being aware of how you feel because that, and you're just not alone. You're not on your own. There's, yeah. there's so many people going through it as well. Just, yeah, just you just got to talk. You just got to talk to people and that, you know, it will get easier. It will yeah. get easier. Phones are a biggie, aren't they? Like social media mm. has just been in one way a bit of a saving grace to be able to communicate with people but yeah. in another way it's been like so much pressure during this time to like yeah am I exercising yeah. am I eating as well as someone yeah. else am I baking yeah. banana yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bloody banana bread <laughs> never see That's another so banana true. bread Ever. I know, literally, <laughs> literally, literally. And, and it's so true. And then, you know, you've, you've got your influencers with, you know, I just, I just say life doesn't come with a filter on it. You know, it's, it doesn't come with a filter on it. And it's, I just think, yeah, with, with social media, like I said, it's such the double-edged sword, you know, yeah. it, it's good. It, it's really good to stay in contact with people. But then, you know, you do see that the influ- I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but you know, like I said, life doesn't come with a filter. And, and most of the time, you know, they've probably dragged themselves out bed to put a full slap of makeup on anyway do you know what I mean it's like yeah each each their own now what I do is I've actually got two accounts I've got one that's obviously my DJ account and then I've got my personal account and on my personal account I follow such you know either positive quotes or positive people you know actors are so positive like I follow so many American actors they're just so real and they're just and then you've got kind of like your UK Z listers I call them you know and it's just like it's, it's a completely different world but mm. I kind of switch between the two depending on what depending on what mood that I'm in um yeah, yeah but following positive people is 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 like really really important really yeah. important yeah for sure yeah, and it's definitely about like the environment as well like if you surround yourself with positive thoughts then yeah. hopefully then you attract yeah, attract, absolutely, yeah. absolutely yeah it's, it's just you know what you've got to keep your vibration on on a high level mm. and it, I mean I, I, absolutely it's easier said than done yeah, but totally. I always try and keep myself you know around good people um you know like I said I don't eat well I don't exercise well I'm still here I've still got a smile on my face it's not the be all and end all do you know what I mean and it's like I look like crap today but it's you know I'm still doing everything with a smile on my face and I think that's that's the most important thing is just you know that there's people out there that are far worse you know far worse off than you and I just think you know if you've got a roof over your head and food in the fridge and you've got you know clean clothes to put on every day and you can put the heating on like really got much to moan about you know yeah exactly very very blessed very very blessed indeed um when you uh left Ibiza then like how are you like from your seasons where were you moving back to and like how are you feeling and what was the routine like and what were you doing yeah so once I I mean I was doing seasons in Ibiza from May until end of September beginning of October and then I'd literally sofa surf because I had no kind of fixed abode because I came from moved from Western Supermare to London uh with my best friend and when we got to London we didn't know anyone my friend got a job at 
um, a radio station and I literally had a box of records and a suitcase. We didn't know anyone, you know, so I was just kind of putting out mixes and, and just doing it that way. And then Ibiza kind of gave me a purpose. And also obviously DJing in Ibiza, it's like, oh, it's the place to be if you want to be a DJ. You know, Ibiza is the one. Learned, met so many friends. So then, you know, we'd hook up with each other in the winter and, you know, play certain people's parties and things like that. But I mean, I lived on my best friend's sofa for two winters. Um, actually three three best friend sofas for like three winters and it was only in I think it was like I'd done five seasons in Ibiza and then I kind of thought enough's enough now because I kind of done lived in North East South um, and West London and then my friend had a pub and he was um, he was renting a room and, and after five years of Ibiza I was kind of I was yeah. kind of dead to be yeah. honest I was yeah. like oh stick a fork in me I am done you know it was like it, it was it was you know for, for all that it was it was amazing but I just never had any stability because then I was just wishing the winter away yeah. for it to be Ibiza mm-hmm. again, you know? And it was just, it's not, it, it's its not real life Ibiza when you do seasons. You are literally in a dream world. Like you are literally on cloud nine. Like I didn't even used to get the papers because I didn't want to know anything that was going on at home. It was just party, 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 you know? Um, and then I finally got an apartment in Essex and uh, yeah, I ended up staying there for seven years before I moved over to Southwest London. But yeah, I mean, it's, now I just fly back um, I probably play about eight to 10 times a summer, um, which is more than enough for me. And I get in, I get out or I'll stay for a week. I've got obviously tons of friends that, that actually live in Ibiza as well. So I can, I've got the balance right now. You know, mm-hmm. I can, I can go in and party if I want to, or I can go in and chill and, you know, go, go out for dinner and, and visit friends. And so, yeah, I finally nailed the, nailed the, um, the balance after like 17 years. <laughs> I finally got it right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I've had that when I, I've been to Ibiza. I've only been on holidays, not done a season, but it is yeah. like it is like you are in a bubble. bubble. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like because all your friends are coming out to see you. Yeah, yeah. And they're all saying, "Oh, you know, so and so, you know, it's raining back home," and you're <laughs> like, "Oh, I'm having the best time of my life." But you know, w- when you're young, I just think you know, explore, get out there, and do things because you know, you know, I'm nearly forty years old now, and everything that I do now is a complete bonus. You know, I'm on my third passport with every you know, every page stamped, you know, a good few times. And, you know, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm an Ibiza veteran and I'm well seasoned now. <laughs> you know, I've done everything that I wanted to do. So everything now is just a complete bonus. And and, and it's so much fun. It's, you know, li- life is for living, you know, and just get out there and get out there and just and just do it. Be brave, take a leap of faith and, ju- and just, just do what makes your soul and heart happy. That is just like the number one thing because, you know, I know so many people that haven't even been abroad and they're my yeah. age and it's just like what um you know yeah so just just do whatever just do whatever th- what is good for your soul i suppose no one's really got any excuse now have they no. we've all been at yes. home for a year like go <laughs> and do something yeah like i'm even absolutely. thinking like there's no reason why i shouldn't go to the gym after this because <laughs> what am i gonna do i've been sat at home for long enough so yeah. i've got no reason to like not go <laughs> But that's just well, a lot I'm of pressure. I'm definitely not going to go. I'm <laughs> yeah. definitely not going to go. I'm, I'm cool. I've got no one to impress. So I'm absolutely... Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm out cool. the habit now. So I'm like, yeah. I'm doing other stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like making banana bread. Like baking, yeah. Baking <laughs> bread. Were you... Uh, when you in London then on the off seasons um, where were you going out there? Is there any places so, that you were oh. enjoying? Oh, yeah, there was a lot of clubs I was joined. All of them have actually closed down now. Oh. I, was so, I was so lucky because I, I moved in with... Um 
a girl called Chloe Fontaine who was actually like the door girl at the ends the ends closed now so on a so I always used to go to Brick Lane on a Sunday I always used to go to Fuse that was religious so I'd finish playing I'd play Thursday Friday Saturday night and then get back on a Sunday and that was like a real industry meet up where it was like everyone that was like heads used to go to Fuse on a Sunday it was like Brick Lane in the summer it's amazing obviously you know at the it was sunny, so everyone would just jam outside. And that was kind of where I met all my, most of my London pals, I guess, from my Ibiza. And then we'd all hook up at like Fuse. Um, when I was going to clubs, I mean, Pasha, that closed down. Um, the Ends was just an incredible club for an after party. It was just amazing. So I used to club hop like four or five nightclubs in one weekend. Like if wow. I wasn't working or if you, even if I was working, then, we, then we'd literally, I mean, the amount of times I've lost my CD wallet, like in, at, oh. at the end or somewhere like that and then I'll be calling up the owner be like uh, have you got money be like yes Sam I've got it in my hand <laughs> or be like go through the video footage like someone stole it and then the you know the the um, the caretaker be like yes yeah, Sam I've got your a CD wallet I'll be like oh my god not again it was just wild <laughs> absolutely wild but we used to go to like turn mills the cross oh the cross was incredible again closed down um, all these clubs closed down because of the council yeah they all turned them into apartments or um, office spaces. Um, I mean, really, ministry. I've been going to ministry for 16, 17 years, I guess. Still get the same feeling as when I walk in there as I first did when I first walked through the doors. Incredible. And then obviously I got to play there as well. Resident there for a little bit with Defected. Um, Basin House, another amazing club. It's only like 300 people. Again, we used to go there on a Sunday um, after Fuse because Fuse used to shut 11. Then we used to go to Basin House. Um, and then before that, we used to go to another club called Public Life which is actually a public toilet which is in Shoreditch I used to walk down the steps and it was only for about 150 people that's where I first saw Jamie Jones Lee Foss Richie Ahmed play and you'd walk out of there at 12pm on a Monday afternoon people would be going to work and cars (laughs) everywhere and you'd literally like because you're just in your own little bubble for like 24 hours you'd walk out of there you'd be like oh my god is that the one where there's the glass above you and you can see people walking is that Um, is that or is that something else it might be i could have got it i could have got it wrong but i'm sure there's something in london where there is like glass and you can see people walking but i I don't know i lost a lot of brain cells in public (laughs) life a lot of brain cells that was yeah it was amazing that was literally before jamie jones and like even blew up we used to go to another club um oh that was in shoreditch as well I used to play for like 10 hours in there, but I used to, like my raving family, I mean, we were literally like 50, 60 deep in our firm and we just used to just literally bounce from all the clubs to after parties. We all used to go to Ibiza or ADE or uh, Miami Music Conference or Sonar. Like we were literally like firm handed, but there were so many raving crews like that. And then obviously when we all got together, we're like a thousand people strong in a wow. club, but all, but all like-minded people, all, you know, all love the same DJs, all love the same music and it was just it was good times man it was really really good times I would say from like 2006 to 2011 yeah 2011 2012 were like the golden years the golden years but also each genre was different then because it was like Funky House was massive between 2003 2005 so you'd have your Funky House crew then it went to Electro then it went to Tech House then it was Minimal then it was Techno then it was Deep House then it was just like then it was just back to house because every genre has its like 10 year cycle as well Um, and then you see new people on 
on the scene and then you're like right you're under our wing you can be in our crew and then it just builds and builds and builds and then and obviously when we started doing club nights all those people used to come to our to our club nights I still run La Vita now to this day with my best friend Camilla you know we, we've been running La Vita for 12 years I think now and you still see the same people it's amazing oh, wow. what um, circle are we in now so we are in well I think we're just coming out of a tech house mm-hmm. cycle I think I think that kind of Solado kicked that off mm, they absolutely yeah. kicked that off um, I think we're kind of coming back to like like this ravey sound obviously I listen to a lot of promos for my radio show and I'm f- feeling those kind of big ravey breakdowns and I think that is going to be if that connects well with the dance floor I think we're going to see that cycle and I've not seen a ravey cycle really for probably way longer than 10 years probably 20 years in actual fact so if that connects with the dance floor I think that's going to be very powerful oh, wow. very very powerful that made yeah. me all excited yeah oh, no, I'm excited because yeah. there's certain records that I can play in the radio show but I can't play in a club but I think it's just having that confidence because everyone's been kind of like in this tech house bubble for such a long time I mean I don't play tech house I play house yeah um, under under the genre you know under the umbrella of house there's lots of different genres like deep house tech house yeah all, all of that you know um, I mean I just play house that has got soul groove and a vocal you know that's kind of where I would put myself in, in that particular lane but I mean I do hope this I do hope this ravey sound comes through and I think everyone as well has been sat on all their big bangers right now because yeah. they haven't got content they haven't got the content not everyone's doing live streams not everyone's doing radio um, so to get your record in the right DJ's hands has been very, very difficult. Mm. So I think a lot of people have been putting music out for streaming purposes. So you'll get, you know, tracks that do very well on Spotify or Apple Music that wouldn't necessarily do well in a nightclub because it's not for a night, it's not mm. for a dance floor track. Yeah. However, as well, a lot of producers that I know have been, you know, hitting brick walls because you need to have that feeling. You need to feel the energy of, of the crowd to be able to then also rotest your records as well. No one's been able to rotest. So it's like, oh, I need to tweak that bit there or I need to tweak that or that, that breakdown needs to be bigger or whatever you know no one's had the chance to do that everyone's literally been stuck indoors stuck in the studios um, I mean I have turned my house into a nightclub <laughs> so well when obviously I could have friends over I mean we'd be road testing and obviously I'm do, doing live streams and everything else so um, yeah I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm very very excited for it to all come back but I mean I'm not going to lie I've also got a little bit like it's going to be very overwhelming for yeah, DJs to yeah. just literally just go straight back and then you just got like a thousand people going mental in front of you it's like <gasps> it is giving me a bit of anxiety yeah because that's lie. a bit like, of pressure isn't it yeah, like because everyone's pressure. going out for that good time the best time massive pressure I mean literally I think DJs can literally play anything and it's going to go off you know but for me I want people to walk away and just be like oh my god like that was insane (laughs) you know because it's our duty as a DJ to you Mm -hmm. know people to have a good time but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be dope when we go back for sure. Yeah, I guess it is such, going to be such a, a big leap because earlier when you said about the live streams and how you're yeah. like got a phone staring at you, I'd never yeah. really thought of like yeah. the DJ side. I've only ever thought of like the audience watching it, but that must be so yeah. surreal. It's kind of staring a, at a little screen. Yeah, and it's a lot of pressure, you know, because not only, you know, you've got to do your hair, you've got to do your makeup, you've got to make your tracks because you've only got an hour. You know that people are going to be reliving that moment in their living rooms off mm. YouTube or whatever platforms. So you have to nail it. And like I said, when you're having a down day and you've got to deliver that because you know that you're going to 
brings so much happiness to a lot of people. You you ain't got time to be sad or to, or to you know feel sorry about what's going on. You just got to literally like get out of bed, whack your hair up, like put a bit of makeup on, and just get in front of it. But it's so stressful. It's not only just you've got to be in a good place to do it like in, in, in your head you've got to be a good place but you know the logistics of it of actually setting up a live stream oh my god my phone has nearly been smashed up so many times so I'm just <laughs> like the audio's gone wrong or the video's gone wrong or you get halfway through and then it doesn't record or someone rings you and it's just like ah and then it takes about I mean I've nailed it now but it used to take about eight hours to upload I used to have to record the video and the audio oh, so no. it's so stressful to do a live stream I mean I've done a million of them now so I'm just like yeah plug it in <laughs> yeah you're a <laughs> I'm a pro at live streams now. But I mean, that's why a lot of DJs haven't done it because it is so stressful. Mm-hmm. A lot of DJs don't even have the equipment. Yeah. You know, when we first went into lockdown, I was straight on the phone to Pioneer. I was like, right, I need this, 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 and this, and this. So we and my husband's just like a wizard at building anything. He built like a DJ booth. You know, we got new speakers, new decks, new everything. So we were set from literally week one of going into lockdown. We had everything. So we've been able to, you know, do, do as many live streams. And I've got like, we, you know, we've got a studio at home so my husband built me like a little vocal booth so I can do oh. my radio show so I've I've actually been like one of the lucky ones really yeah. but because you know if you haven't seen your favorite DJ it's probably for all of those reasons yeah, yeah. You know, it's not because they don't want to play you know like streams aren't for everyone they're really not because you do have to put your smile on the face and you're just like yeah singing and dancing but you know I've seen some live streams where it just DJs are so awkward, but I get it. I yeah. totally get it. I totally get it. It's That's not f- an interesting perspective, I think, for everyone yeah. who's going to listen to this, because I hadn't really thought about it like that either. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it yes. must be weird when you end the live stream as well, because I've, I've well, heard that on like Zoom quizzes when like, yeah. you're with all your friends and then you go and <laughs> yeah. you put the laptop down yeah. and then you're like, you realise you're on your own and in a room and it's really weird. I've always got like my husband, like I'm literally playing and I'm like, how many minutes have I got left? How many minutes have I got left? And then like two minutes, I'm like, okay. And then I just, I just do like this little thing or like a little thing to like sign off. And then I'm like, like gritting through my teeth, like turn it off, turn <laughs> yeah. it off. Like I'm done now. <laughs> Yeah, it's hilarious. It's so hilarious. funny. So he's but like yeah. your producer almost for all your life. Yeah, literally, literally. And he always gets like, he always, he like smoke and do like a smoke machine in front of the camera <laughs> so you can see all this smoke. And then we've got like, we've got like disco lights and everything. Got, so it looks like a jam. It is an absolute jam in my house. It's, it's definitely kept me going. Definitely, definitely kept me going. But like I said, some DJs, you know, haven't had the equipment or they haven't had the headspace to do it because, you know, like I said, you are literally just looking at a phone camera and you can't get vibes from doing that. I mean, I was lucky because when we first went into lockdown March last year, Simon Dummel rounded up all the troops and we actually played in ministry with, I played two clubs now with no dance, like no one in it. And it was so surreal, but it was just a moment in the booth. And I was just so grateful for, for actually seeing a nightclub. It made me appreciate nightclubs so much more to be in there and see all the team and everyone just kind of rallying around together and just making an experience for people at home even though there was no one in it and from I was literally on cloud nine and my actual brand cloud nine was born in October for, after playing ministry with no one on the dance floor because I'd come off the decks and I was shaking I had adrenaline I was like oh my god I was like I feel on cloud nine because it was just amazing to be out of the house and club so for when we all get back all the DJs I mean I've because I've done it a few times now, but if a DJ hasn't been anywhere near a club, it's, it's going to blow their socks off. Yeah. It really is. Like the, the, the feeling that, you know, to not be able to do your job for a whole 12 months is just insane. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. 
It's weird how it's like circled from the first times you ever played and you were playing to an empty club and then you went back to play at an (laughs) empty club. And you were like, this is weird without a dance, like people dancing now. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. But instead, you know, you're not playing a warm up set. You're actually playing a peak time set. That's so crazy. I mean, I went mental. I absolutely (laughs) hammered out. That set is actually up on on YouTube. But it was was just insane. It's going to be very overwhelming for, I mean, not not just for the clubbers, but I mean, also for the DJs because we get such a high adrenaline rush when we're playing it that is going to be that times a million do you know what I mean like when I go back I said that I mean I've, I've been sober for, for for a little while now and I said that it'd be too easy to go back to nightclubs and be like oh hey I've not seen you for ages let's have a shot of tequila and then in a minute it's gonna be like oh my god I've not seen like 50 mm-hmm. people for, for that long and in the end you're just gonna be like absolutely sloshed <laughs> um so I said to my life coach I said I need to, to go back sober because it'd be too easy to get you know swipe back in and then that's when your mental health starts yeah. deteriorating and then you're literally back to square one again so you know I just think we all need to look out for each other on and off the dance floor 100%. Yeah. I've have like have a thought that will anyone really know what their limits are because no way like, it was gonna go crazy because yeah. I barely like I'd like drink or whatever on the weekends but barely yeah. compared to like what I do on a night out <laughs> yeah, and now exactly. now I just feel a bit scared like I'm scared yeah. for everyone around me too yeah because 100% it's just 100%. gonna be another level it's gonna yeah, be so I, mad to experience it isn't it like, it's gonna be like you know the first time that you went clubbing but you know you know everyone's been clubbing for a good few years now and then the first time just clubbing again just to have all those rushes and to fall in love with you know to fall in love with music again to fall in love with your friends again to fall in love with the DJs again to fall in love with going out again you know it's going to be really special really special but people don't know their limits then then definitely not going to know their limits now you know I I think clubs have to have um, you know a level of empathy for that as well and they've got a, a you know duty of care to put more security people on you know to put more kind of St. John's ambulance at the door or yeah, something. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. going to be a lot of that. But, you know, it's, it's real talk. I think clubs are going to have to up every everything of that because people are just going to go crazy. We've all been locked up for a year, you know, like literally like caged animals. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be wild. It's going to be wild. I mean, New Year's Eve is just going to be another level like yeah. leaving crazy. this year behind will be a big yeah. moment <laughs> a big yeah moment. absolutely what's your biggest pinch me moment that you've had across your whole career then oh god really really good question it's kind of been so many really there's there's been so many it's hard to just pinpoint one I mean obviously getting signed to Defected was a massive pinch me because I I championed the label for so long you know going to Ibiza and kind of make trying to get myself into VIPs it's like oh I have to meet you know Simon that works you know owns Defected and actually getting signed I had all my best friends around me when I got the call and it was just wild we partied for about two weeks solid after that it was just that was a big pinch me because A you know being the first lady of Defected they'd never um, even booked female DJs before so it was a big statement a huge statement to be signed to Defected so that was a pinch me moment um playing on the top of tower bridge was pretty crazy wow. it never ever been done before and i was really playing it down to all my friends and they were like sam you know this is pretty big and i'm like oh, it's just tower bridge like it'd be cool and then literally there's, there's like a helicopter with defected on the side of it like driving past or like like flying past and then literally i'm like and it was just a moment because obviously when i said i'd, I'd move from bristol west of 
Super Mayor to London, it was almost like I was playing to the whole of London town. I got really, really emotional because I was just saying like, thank you, London, for like accepting me into your city kind of thing. And it was just, that was a real pinch me moment because it was just me and London City playing, you know, because there was no one in front of me. Um, that that was incredible. And we'd like, a camel flat, camel fat did it as well. And like, they had um, went on the London Eye and I kind of like um, gave them this award and then obviously played up there. So that was that was really cool. Um, doing my first solo America tour was a pinch me moment um, for sure. And that that was only a couple of years ago that I did my first. I've been playing in America for years and years, but that was my first solo tour. And just to see how crazy the Americans were going was just like, what well, for little me from Western Supermare? <laughs> like, how do you even know me? It was just, it was crazy. And everywhere, the vibe and just the, the the whole tone of that tour was just insane and then I actually went back and did it sober um went on some wicked road trips like along the California coast and hung out with um like went on some road trips with like that were fans actually like super fans that turned into friends you know we hung out and we, we did um I think we did four or five shows together as well actually oh, wow. and that that was a real pinchy moment because I was just like how do you guys know who I am like I'm just like this this little chick from the UK like <laughs> and and sold the whole tour out as well it was just that that was a big that was a big pinch me moment and same for Australia as well like playing my first festival in Australia which was actually yeah it was last February yeah it was just before lockdown um did Canada again for the first time ever so it's like it's like I've been supporting like all the DJs that are from that um you know from, from these countries and then actually you know them coming to see me play was yeah. just like it was just crazy so um I just literally just had a um a, a call with my American agent he's like September girl it's happening and I'm just like yeah yeah I was going to ask what you plan out there what you plan yeah. to this year then well I've got I've got um, a release schedule now I've not I've just not been in the right headspace to make music for a while now you know I've, I've had my couple of hits and kind of lived off the back of them and just making music was just never my vibe it just wasn't my jam so I've all, I just prefer you know DJing than yeah. making music I cannot stand being in the studio listening to the same kick drum for like five <laughs> hours I'm like oh shoot me now so now I've got a really good engineer now and, and we jam together so well so I've got um I've got a remix coming out of Roger Sanchez's label next month then I've remixed um one of my favourite records from like 25 years ago on, on Champion Records that's coming out in April um as I've, I've said quite a lot that I used to be into Hard House and there's a record label called Tidy Tracks who oh my god most of my Hard House vinyl is Tidy Tracks I'm doing a house remix for them that they're, they're, they're kind of re they're, they're going back 25 years over the, the catalogue their back catalogue so that's a really fun projects and again I'm actually remixing a Lisa Lash's record Lisa was one of the first female DJs to get me into it so I, I like telling well, yeah. little stories as I go along and then I've got a few a few um, original singles coming out as well I'm re I'm launching a brand new brand called Cloud9 which I'm doing a nine day UK tour in Q4 which is the end of this year and um, I'm doing I've got four dates in America and then I'll take Cloud9 to the States as well so just loads going on obviously I've got my Kiss show every Friday my defect to show every Thursday and then I do Divine Tribe on Twitch every Saturday and then I do Sam's Jams which is R&B and hip hop on a Sunday so it's like busy yes. biz double busy <laughs> double busy yeah but that do you know what that is just me because I can't I can't sit still I get so depressed if I sit still like I just have to keep going I yeah. have to it, my mum's my a lorry driver well retired lorry driver she was exactly the same she had three jobs you know she'd be at work four o'clock in the morning not 
home till like eight o'clock at night. It's just, it's embedded in my yeah, dad's such a hard worker jeans. as well. Yeah, it's in my jeans, man. Mm-hmm. It's in my jeans. <laughs> and it's all positive. You know, if I'm putting smiling on people's faces and, and I can put a smile on my own face at the same time, then, you know, that's what's, that's what's kept me going. So I've been so positive for other people and kind of being that inspiration for other people and, and just relaying that through, through my music, you know. So I've, you know, I get so many messages from people just saying, you know, you saved my life, you know, this week with the radio show or with the live stream or, you know, that that's kind of like, it's a regular thing that I get those messages. So I feel like I don't really have time to be sad. Yeah. I've got to just, you know, I've, I've just got to keep going for everyone else and that keeps my vibrations high, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh. it's all good. It's all good. I've got one more question before we do the final question. Because <laughs> this it, is just something it. that I want to know. Is do it, do it. Because we are new budding radio presenters, not radio, You're but podcast. Very good, um, guys. You are very good. Oh, very that good. means a lot. I just wanted to know <laughs> if you had any top tips for us for the rest of our podcasting careers. <laughs> uh, mate, do you know what? It's just your vibe. I love that you jam off each other as well. You bounce off each other. That's really cool because you just keep the conversation fun mm-hmm. and uplifting and positive like that's really really good and that's really lovely to see as well and you are two female hustlers yes. love that. yeah <laughs> we're all about that. Love, yeah. that absolutely love that no I mean you, I, I mean there's nothing that I, I don't know I couldn't really give you any more advice you're already doing it like, oh, you're already doing it just keep it fun and you know I, I think your guests play a big part in that as well so keep your guests interesting and yes. you know people that have got, got things to say and that you know that you guys can relate to as well you know, you know, Salado and I are a lot older than you two. You know, so we can like, you know, bring the flavor, flavor. You, know, I mean, you, you, you sound great. You look great. Um, like I said, you know, you bounce off each other really, really well. You're asking amazing questions as well. Oh. That's really important. Uh, the amount of interviews that I do, and they're just the questions are so dead. You're like, oh God, I've said that. Oh I've wow, said the same question so many times. You know, yeah. it's, it's nice because then you can. The, the biggest thing is to draw stories out of people, mm-hmm. and that's that's when you listeners can relate to it you know and, and you've done exactly that so A plus ladies oh, A+. I wasn't just rooting for compliments <laughs> no I'm, I am so real I will literally I, I'm so real I would tell you otherwise. imagine if you just turn around and you're like you are a bit you're, shit yeah actually I'm gonna <laughs> go <laughs> don't give up your day job yeah. Okay? yeah so we've got a question with every episode um, and it is if you could go out anywhere with anyone who would you go out with and where would it be? Very, very good question. Dead or alive? Because it's normally like, who would you like to be stuck and lived with? But who would I like to go <laughs> raving with? Oh my God. Oh, it would have to be David Attenborough. Oh, that is a great choice. It would have to be David Attenborough. Yes. We just sit in the smoking room and yes. just chat all night. Like I wouldn't even want to go on a dance floor. I'd be like, David, what about this? David, what about that? David, what about this? That's yeah, I would literally that would be my sm- that would be my smoking room buddy, David Attenborough, for sure. Love that. <laughs> he's had his vaccine as well, so he's all right. Oh, he's good to God. go. <laughs> David for president. Yeah. Oh my God, I love him. I love him. Oh well, it's thank you so amazing. much for oh. chatting with us. We've absolutely loved it. Um, it is my yeah. absolute pleasure, ladies. You, you've smashed it, and just I can't wait to listen back. But you two are so much fun. You've got such an amazing energy about you both as well. So just keep doing what you're doing, man. Just keep doing what you're doing. Oh, thank oh you so God. much. <laughs> I could cry. Uh, good luck with everything this year. I thank can't wait you. to hear the new yeah. music. And yeah, we'll tune into your radio shows as well to yeah, steal, steal some tips. But yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> it's taken me years to get it. Yeah. Here. So yeah, steal away, ladies. Steal away. <laughs> All right. Thank you very Bye. much. Bye. Bye. Thank you, ladies. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Going Out podcast with Skiddle. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe wherever you hear this podcast. Thank you.